welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how alluring, dangerous, and lying in wait Satan can be for us. This message is available for a free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from this week's messages. And it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So you see, she's lying in wait. This is the strategy of the devil. He lies in wait. You want to write down another one? Proverbs 6, 26. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. She's a hunter. Now, that's the snake. He lies in wait. Now here's Tom Cantor as we finish our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday teaching series from the book of Genesis. You know another interesting thing about the snake? They, they camouflage so well, especially if you're been out of the desert and come across a diamondback rattlesnake that blends in perfectly with the ground below. They blend in with the surroundings. You don't even see them until it's too late. Satan has transformed himself into an angel of light, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. And we just see him, and she just sees him. He sort of sounds like the voice of reason. He sounds like the voice of reason in chapter 3. I mean, let's talk about this. Let's think about this. Let's evaluate this. Maybe we could compare God to other religions. You could say something like that. Maybe there's a better one. Maybe there's one that doesn't have this concept of dying, you will surely die in it. He never identifies as, hello, I'm Satan, I'm the father of death, and if you talk with me, I like to deceive you and inject you with the venom of death. He doesn't do that. So what's God's advice? Proverbs 14, 7. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. That was Solomon's advice. Prophet Isaiah's advice in Isaiah 8.20 to the law and the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. Makes it very clear. So if what they are saying doesn't line up with what God has said, the problem is there's no light inside of them, Isaiah says. Now, another thing about the snake, snakes have very alluring movements, very alluring movements. You know, when a snake comes, it's kind of like interesting, you know. I mean, the coat with the scales on it and the, kind of the shiny, some of them have this iridescent, you know, kind of black, orange, especially coral snakes, red, yellow. And when they move, this, the, the colors can kind of like change the iridescence and blend in, you know. And, and that's all designed to entice, that's all designed to, how does that work? That's interesting. Never seen that before. And get closer. What is that? 1 Timothy 4.1, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Seducing spirits. Satan can look, oh, he can look like the Delilah of spirits. Lust not after her beauty, Proverbs 6.24, in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Now, Snakes have a very keen discernment. They can track. It's interesting. They can be totally focused and they can closely track their prey. Have you ever seen that? You know, they have that kind of like that arrow-shaped head. They have heat sensors 
on, that, on their head there, and they will actually move their head with the movement of their prey. Like if it's a mouse or something like that, they'll move as the mouse goes back and forth and back and forth. They'll train themselves. They study, and they wait for their opportunity. You know, that's a picture of Satan. He tracks us. He watches us. He asks the question, where is her Achilles heel? Where is his Achilles heel? And he's a tailor. And so he's ready to tailor just what it takes for a temptation to bring you down. And if lust is your Achilles heel, he will tailor pleasures for your temptation. If pride is your Achilles heel, he will tailor new ideas for you to discover that don't exactly line up with the Bible and with God for your temptation. If emotion is your Achilles heel, he will tell your mother and your father to plead with you to not turn to Jesus Christ because our people never did that before and it would break our hearts even in the grave. He's like a snake, Satan is, and he's tracking and seeing, and he's tailoring, and he chose Eve when he was tracking, and he waited till he was alone when he was tracking, and he tracked and adapted. How could it be? In Proverbs 7, 26, it says, For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men hath been slain by her. How could that be that this woman described in Proverbs 7 could cast down many and slay many? Because the temptress is a tracker. Poison of snakes in their teeth, right through the center of their teeth. It's interesting, these tubes that carry venom, you know, concealed by the teeth. As a matter of fact, the teeth themselves are concealed. The fangs curve under. Then right through the center of those small teeth are fountains of death. And those venoms there, so deadly, can kill a man from the mouth, from the mouth is going to come this deadly venom. Let's just have a little conversation, Eve. A little, little conversation. And you won't see, because they're concealed, the fountains of death that are tracking you. Now, the actual bite of the snake is relatively insignificant. I can't speak from experience, and I hope I never can. (laughs) But they don't use those teeth for chewing. They're minuscule, those teeth. We have some of them over at the Creation Museum. Go see them there, skeletons. We have some live ones, too, but they're not poisonous, I hope not. Unless we haven't lost any employees lately. So, but they're very, very fine, uh, very, very fine teeth, extremely sharp, like thin pins, so that the attack itself, it just seems so harmless. It's just nearly painless, maybe like a mosquito bite. No big deal. I mean, the snake seems to be inflicting just a little, almost like a playful slight injury. The bites are so painless that this darting action, some might even think that they're playing together, be unsuspecting. It didn't seem to Eve to be such a big deal to be talking. Meanwhile, it's so insignificant, she doesn't even realize when the venom has been injected into her, the deadly venom, but it is a deadly venom extremely deadly venom. The venom of the snake has horrible power of destruction as it spreads out and it's hidden beneath the skins of the victim. You don't even see it. And it's spreading out and it kills. You know, in our business, we, uh, we use goats to raise antibodies. 
And so we've always had a few hundred goats. As a matter of fact, for 10 years, many of you remember that we lived surrounded by 300 goats. So we, they were part of our family anyway. <laughs> and I still remember to this day what happened to one of our favorite goats. She was a beauty. She was beautiful. She was a sonnen, pure sonnen, white, beautiful white doe she was. And a rattlesnake crawled into the pen and this goat got curious and she put her head down and the snake bit her. And for three days, we watched our goat writhe in tormenting sickness, swell up. And for three days, our whole family is just engaged in like a vigil watching her. And we tried to do everything to stop it. We used so many vials of anti-rattlesnake venom and antihistamines and cortisones and vitamins and drugs. And then after three days, we lost the battle and she died. And after she died, we called up the county vet and he agreed. And we took her dead carcass down to the vet, county vet down there Kearney Mesa, and because he agreed that he would do a very careful autopsy with us so we could see what happened. So we take this goat's carcass and we lay it up on the dissection table there. And my boys and I, we were all crowded around. Cheryl didn't want to see this. So she was just the boys and I all crowded around. And the vet starts to cut and he starts to carefully peel back the skin. And as he peeled back the skin, a story that we had no idea was happening began to also unfold in front of us. Because healthy goat tissue is normally nice and pink and firm. But what the vet peeled back, with that beautiful white coat, as he peeled it back, was small pockets of black liquid. And the dying cells that have turned this deep purple and and, and black, it was, it was awful. And we followed this course of this color because it was almost like a river and it expanded out from her jaw like a river. It kind of went down. And we followed it back to where it started and carefully dissected the skin and by holding, stretching the skin and holding up the light, he could say, you see that? Those are the tiny pinholes of the entrance of the venom. That's where she was bit, in the neck. And, and we felt like saying to the goat, how could you do that? <laughs> we felt like saying, don't you, why did you leave the snake alone? And did you have to go try to look at the snake? But that's how sin is. It was such a, such a lesson to us. Because when it strikes, it seems so insignificant but yet it grows. And the victim has no idea until he's been, that he's been fatally injected with the poison of no longer believing God, with the poison of thinking sin is better than God and his holiness. And so it says in Proverbs 7, 21 through 27, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth this near. And here's the important phrase, and knoweth not that it is for his life. He had no idea. That's why the writer 
Solomon says, Hearken unto me now, therefore, ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thy heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her path. And as we already read, for she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. May God give us heed to not think that we're immune from falling. To not think that because we are Christians, because we come to church, because we have been raised in a Christian home or we've been believers for so long that we can't fall. Because in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it's the lesson that comes to him, to us. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the lessons that we learned this morning from your book. We thank you so much, Lord, that it was never your intention for them to fall and to enter into the death. It's not your intention for us to yield to sin either. Help us, Lord, to learn. Help us to learn to trust you more, cling to you more, listen to you more, and obey you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom, today you talked about how dangerous sexual immorality is and how the devil uses that to trap people. And most people who go into that sin, they now see themselves as the aggressor and not the victim. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes, that is a real problem today. I mean, if we were to look at how is the devil ensnaring souls and what is his, you know, it says in the Bible that we are not ignorant of his devices. So if we look around and we say to ourselves, exactly what are the devices that Satan is using today to trap people, to keep them away from God, to sweep them into hell, to run their clock out until it's too late, we have to put sexual immorality at the top of the list. The devil is using that as a master craftsman to get people entangled in the snare, in the trap, in the debilitation of it all within the sexual immorality area. That's what he does. Now, first of all, we have to go back to these verses. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 is a anchor point for us. It says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. In other words, we've got to recognize we have within us what Paul called this body, the body of this death. We have an enemy inside of us. We have a traitor inside of us. We have someone who is treacherous, ready to turn us over at any moment. That is our own heart, which Jeremiah describes as deceitful above all things. We have the desire within us to do wrong. So when it says, if you think that you're standing, you better take heed because that traitor is in you. That 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 uh, person who is deceiving you is inside of you. So the first step to stay safe is to is to remember, but for the grace of God, there goes I. One we are one bad decision away from falling into sexual immorality. Take heed, take heed, take heed, stay close to God. God who is our protector, God who is our guide, God who will guide us with his eye, God who will keep our feet from from uh, falling into the snare. God is the one who we need so much. So the first thing that happens is that we must realize that pride sets us up to fall. Pride goes before a fall, and this is a great fall, so pride is going before this. 
pride. What kind of pride? Pride that says, I can't fall into that sin. I've lived a Christian. I'm a very moral person. Can't touch me. That's when we're in the greatest danger. And that's when you apply this verse. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, not that is standing, but he just thinks that he's standing, take heed lest he fall. Next, Proverbs 7.23. It says, till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. What do we have to realize here? We have to realize that a dart through the liver is fatal. It's deadly. There's no recovery from it. This is the goal of the devil with regard to sexual immorality. Oh, people think it's so much fun. It's just a little a little naughtiness, a little a little diversion, uh, a little nothing to really be be concerned about, but you don't see that there is a dart that's been prepared. There is a dart that's been sharpened. There is a dart that's ready to be thrown. There is a dart that's aimed right through the liver, the place where it's interesting that it says the liver, because the liver is the place where we purify toxins out of our out of the blood. That's what the liver does, purifies toxins. So the so the so the dart here is to strike to the very organ which purifies. Uh, the blood. In other words, it's symbolic here that that uh, that 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 a little bit of yielding to this sexual immorality uh, makes a great compromising to the person where they don't purify themselves. The dark striking through the liver. The next part we see from this verse is that it's a bird that hasteth to the snare. Oh, there's such a rush. There's such a, we must now, we must go quickly, quickly, quickly. There is no time to stop and think. There is no time to consider what damage this may cause to my own uh, marriage, what damage this may cause to my own family, what damage this may cause to the church, what damage this may cause to all my friends. Oh no, this is a time to haste, run quickly. No one will see it's that it's that it's that idea that we can get away with it. There is no such thing as getting away with something because God sees everything, he knows everything, so no one gets away with anything in the sight of God. But this this the action and the movement which you can feel in this Proverbs 7:23 verse where it says a bird hasteth to the snare, you can feel the rapidity of it. You can feel the rapid motion of it. You can feel that let's not let's not talk about it, think about it. Let's just go quickly to enjoy ourselves. Oh, it'll be so much fun. And then the next part of the verse says, and knoweth not that it is for his life. He has no idea, no concept that he is already within the crosshairs. It says the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. He has no idea that he is the hunted. He thinks he's the hunter. He is the hunted. He knows not that it is for his life for his spiritual life. Show me a person that has entangled himself in sexual immorality. I'll show you a person that's spiritual dead. I'll show you a person who once who once prayed with his heart. Now he didn't have time for prayer. Who once taught a Sunday school class. Now he can't be bothered with that old stuff. Who once was a leader. Who once was a, a bringing the lost to the Lord Jesus Christ. Or bringing the Lord Jesus Christ to the lost. Oh, now it's none of that anymore because his life is gone. His life is gone. Why? Because the sexual immorality was for his life. Knoweth not that it is for his life. 
Proverbs 6.26 says, For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. How pathetic, how absolutely pathetic to picture here a person reduced to not a loaf, just a piece of bread broken off, fallen down on the ground, trampled upon, defiled, polluted. That's what a man is brought to, a piece of bread, a helpless, groveling person. That's what the whorish woman does. This whorish woman looks like she's so weak and she's so vulnerable and she's so taken. Oh, don't you kid yourself. This is an aggressive person. This is a person who wants to take that man and reduce him down to just a piece of bread. That's what the whorish woman has in mind. And that's why the second part of this verse says, and the adulteress will hunt. There's an aggressive there, there. There's a hunt. Hunting season is all year round for good men. And the adulteress hunts for the precious life. It all starts off with the, I, I care about you. I am interested in you. Oh, you poor thing. I have sympathy for you. I think I love you. My heart is in love with you. I think of, it all starts that way. But in reality, it's the hunt for the precious life as the man yields himself and then finally finds himself within the claws, within the grip, within the talons of the adulteress who's hunting for the precious life. So God says, know this, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Understand this and literally run for your life. It is your life that is on the line here and run for it. Because Proverbs 2.19 of all the verses in the Bible is so shattering when it says, none that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. That's a horrible prediction. God says, none that go unto her come back. They fall and they don't recover. They drop deep into the abyss and they never come out. This is what it says, none that go unto her return again. Now we know by the grace of God and by the mercy of God that man is able to come out again, but it takes a tremendous deliverance from God to bring a person out from this. But there's a warning here where it says, neither take they hold of the paths of life. This is a terrible, terrible sins, sins of sexual immorality, which so plague the world, which are not only, which, which are grabbing the lost by great masses and pulling them into this place that is described, not return again. Pulling them into a place where it says they are not able, neither take they hold of the paths of life. Friend, if you are caught in this kind of sexual morality, know for a certain that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can recover you. Know for a certain that God is not willing that you should perish and that he has died for your sins, even for all of these sins, and these sins are not stronger than the blood of the Lord Jesus 
Christ, but you need him. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. You need God. You need God to deliver you. You need God to save you from your sins. You need God to be the deliverer as he was promised to be, and he shall save his people from their sins. That's so wonderful to think that even this sin, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is able to save. Friend of mine out there, if you have a heart for those who are captive, if you want to see even these in sexual immorality delivered from these sins, Jewish people who have gotten themselves so involved in this type of sin, and you would like to go door to door in Southern California to the Jewish people to bring them the Savior who can save them from their sins, to bring them the deliverer who can break the chains of sin over their heart and bring them a deliverance, letting them out of the prison that they have fallen into. If you'd like to do this, we have a full-time job for you, a full-time paid position here in Southern California, carrying the gospel to the Jewish people. Just call us at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as Tom Cantor teaches us from the book of Exodus. Now, what are the most frequently asked questions that Jewish people have? Tom Cantor has written a book called Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. This book will help you to be able to reach the lost Jewish people as well as contend for Bible doctrine and know your faith better. This book has nearly 60 pages of questions and notes to help answer and show the character and doctrine and deity of the Lord Jesus Christ as you've never seen it written before. So call us today to obtain a copy of this book. Call us at 1-800-247-3051. Once again, that's 1-800-247-3051 and get a copy of this book called Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. If you'd like to reach any other resources or materials, contact us again at 1-800-247-3051 or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow.